My name is Nayaswami Gandev, and this is Nayaswami Diksha. It's our joy to be with you. I'd like to read from Rays of the One Light by Swami Kriyananda. This week's topic, along the theme of the song we started out Sunday service with, is Does Satan Exist? Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. The Bible tells us in chapter 4 of the Gospel of St. Matthew, Then, after baptism, was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. To most modern minds, this passage seems quaintly obsolete. Psychologists would say, have said, in fact, that the temptation of Jesus, if it occurred at all, was purely psychological. They call it a projection of desires lurking in his own subconscious mind. The subconscious plays a strong part, certainly, even if not a unique one, in any testing the spiritual seeker must undergo. The Bhagavad Gita, in dealing with this undeniable reality, quotes Arjuna in the third chapter and then Sri Krishna's reply. Yet tell me, teacher, said Arjuna, by what force doth man go to his ill, unwilling, as if one pushed him in that path? Krishna replied, Desire it is, passion it is, born of the darknesses which pusheth him. Mighty of appetite, sinful and strong is this man's enemy. Yet even Krishna describes passion as born of the darknesses. The fact is, as Paramahansa, Yoga wrote, Paramahansa Yogananda wrote in Autobiography of a Yogi, all thoughts vibrate eternally in the cosmos. Thoughts are universally and not individually rooted. A truth cannot be created, but only perceived. Psychology, yes, but psychology attuned to currents of consciousness that pervade the entire universe, attracted by each of us according to our own personal inclinations. Yogananda, quoted in the path, said, I used to think Satan was only a human invention, but now I know, and I add my testimony to that of others who lived before me, that Satan is a reality. He is a universal conscious force whose sole aim is to keep all beings bound to the wheel of delusion. We should take pains, then, to attract uplifting currents of universal consciousness and to avoid attracting the negative, which, disease that it is, can affect our thoughts even while it leads us to believe that our thoughts are purely our own. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Om, Om, Om. Well, good morning, everyone. I'd like to start by reading from Whispers from Eternity, a book of prayers and poems by Paramahansa Yogananda. I vow never again to turn my gaze from thee. 
I take this sacred vow. Never will I lower my life gaze below the eyebrow horizon of my constant thoughts of thee. Never will I turn my uplifted inner sight away from thee. Never will I let my mind dwell on anything that reminds me not of thee. I will disdain the nightmare of ignorant behavior. I will court all dreams of noble achievement, those of love, kindness, and understanding, for they are thy dreams. Though I dream many dreams, wakefully, I will ever think of thee in the sacred fire of constant remembrance kept ever a light on my soul's altar. I will ever behold thy presence with the watchful eyes of devotional love. Thy grace has shown me that the dualities of health and sickness, life and death, joy and sorrow are but passing fantasies. I am finished with those eternally self-canceling delusions. I am persuaded at last that there is but one abiding reality, thy eternal, ever-conscious, ever-new, ever-thrilling, infinite bliss. This is a powerful vow that is perfect for the topic of today, which is, does Satan exist? Swami Kriyananda once said that Satan's greatest victory is convincing people that he does not exist. And Yogananda explained the reality of Satan in a very simple way, he said, Satan is the absence of true joy. Yogananda describes the two currents of consciousness that exist in the universe. One is an outward force that pushes us away from God, pushes us away from true joy, which is Satan. And the other is the inner current that the inner force that unites us back with God. And so these two currents of consciousness can enter our hearts to the extent that we invite them. Every time we have a thought, we tap into one current or the other. But we don't create our thoughts. We can only receive them. As we heard, Master wrote in Autobiography for Yogi, thoughts are universally, not individually created. And so we can't be passive and say, I just want to go with the flow. Because not every flow leads us to true joy. So if we want to live in a higher consciousness, then we have to use our willpower. We have to use discrimination. We have to be vigilant.
in the choices that we make. Because there is a force out there that is always trying to push us away from God. And when we read about the lives of the saints, we see that all of them, in one way or another, were tempted by Satan, who was trying to push them away from God. And one example is the life of Saint Anthony of the Desert. His life was a great example for many seekers of God. And I'd like to talk briefly about his life. He was born in the third century after Christ, about in the year 251, in a small village in Egypt, to a wealthy farmer. His family was a devout Christian, and Anthony followed the teachings of Christ completely. Master said that Anthony finished his desires in a previous life. So his father noticed the purity of Anthony's faith, and he wanted to protect him, so he didn't send him to school. Anthony grew up illiterate. He spent his time between helping his father in the fields and in devotion prayer to God. And his only education was going to church on Sunday and listening to the priest give a service and read from the Bible. When Anthony was about 20 years old, both of his parents died. And Anthony, after about six months, was inspired to sell all the wealth that he inherited and give it the money to the poor. Leave the village and go up in solitude in the desert to spend the rest of his life in inner communion with God. He spent 80, about 80 years in solitude. By the first 38 years, the devil tried to pull him away from God, from his inner communion. At first, the devil tried to torture him through memories, memories of the life that he renounced, the wealth that he inherited, the money that he gave to the poor. But Anthony made great efforts to stay focused on God. Then Satan tried to tempt him to deceptive visions. Again, Anthony met all these attacks with great fervent prayers and devotion. He knew that the only way he can win is by keeping his focus on God. Well, after 30, about 18 years of great tests, Anthony had to meet one of his greatest tests. When the carved images on the rocks in the tomb that he lived in became alive and started to threaten him and tried to break down the walls of the tomb, Anthony was frightened, but he remained deeply praying to God. And at one point during this test, a radiant light appeared and filled the whole tomb. All the demonic creatures disappeared 
And Anthony knew this was Christ. So he asked him, Where were you, my Lord, when I needed you? Why didn't you come sooner to help me? And Christ said to him, Anthony, I was always with you. And the appearance of Christ, this comforting words, reassured Anthony and strengthened his faith in God. But still, after this experience, the devil didn't give up. And for the next 20 years, he tried to tempt Anthony away from God in various ways. Not leaving him at peace, but trying to find unguarded moment of weakness to stray him away from God. But Anthony remained focused all the time on God. And after 38 years, the power of Satan was broken. And Anthony was able to live at peace in inner communion with God. Well, we don't have to go through such severe tests as the saints. But we have our share. Every day, we have to face the battle of life to embrace or to reject what is given to us. Every day, we have many opportunities to respond with kindness or with anger, to expand our consciousness or to contract it. And it's not always easy to take the higher path. When we go through physical sufferings, when we go through emotional sufferings, it feels so real. And it's so easy to get identified with them. It's so easy to get hypnotized by them. It's the only reality to contract, to become small. But if we can keep a part of the mind untouched by it, if we can hold to God as the only reality, as we can keep, if we can keep our hearts open to God all the time, then we can go through it much easier. You can understand, remember, Nothing in this world can touch you if you are always inwardly love God. And I find in this community heroic examples. And I'm eternally grateful to all those who have shown us how to fight the battle of life. Um, if some years ago, in uh, I think the summer of 2003, Gandhav and I, Gandhav and I were going to Ananda, Italy, Ananda Sis in Italy, to teach uh, yoga. And this is when Swami still lived in Assisi. And right before we were going, I went through a very challenging time inwardly. I could feel that negative force trying to pull me down. And I tried to do everything I could to stay uplifted. To, to meditate, to chant, to pray, to hold to positive energy and attitude. But the force didn't go away. So I was looking forward to going to Ananda Sisi, to be with Swami, 
I was hoping I can talk to him about it. But when we arrived in Italy, we went to Swami's home. He just finished writing the book, Conversations with Yogananda. And he invited other people there. And he let us read the manuscript of the new book. It was very inspiring. But I didn't have a chance to talk to him privately. So after we left, I noticed my consciousness was lifted and a dark force was gone. So being with people with light consciousness help to uplift our consciousness too. So you all know the spiritual eye is the center of true joy. So we want to get into the habit of lifting our gaze and focusing at that center, living from that center. Yogananda, in one of his poems, he calls the spiritual eye the cup of eternity. It's a beautiful way, image to describe the spiritual eye, the cup of eternity. And we can use that image. When you're thirsty for joy, raise your gaze, visualize yourself drinking divine joy from the cup of eternity and quenching your thirst. Speaking of drinking joy from the cup of eternity. A few years ago, a young woman came to the expanding light. <clears throat> she was Christian in her faith, and she wanted to renew her meditation practice. She used to meditate, but she got caught up in the world and stopped meditating. And after one week, she renewed her meditation practice, and she was happy. At the last night of her stay, she was awakened in the early morning to a loud voice that she heard inside of her. And the voice said, My daughter, take my hand and walk with me on the path. At first she was startled, but she recognized the voice as the voice of Jesus. And she felt his love flooding her being. A few minutes later, she heard the same voice again. This time the voice said, If you do not walk with me on the path, you will suffer greatly. She understood the message. So we all have a choice, but we can choose the path that leads that true joy by daily practice of meditation and by loving God. I find it very comforting to remember that when we make a spiritual effort to raise our consciousness, it's different than climbing a mountain. When we climb a mountain, we rely only on our skill 
now energy. The mountain is not conscious of our efforts. But when we make a spiritual effort to rise, we are doing it within a consciousness that already exists. That consciousness, the divine power, is aware of our struggles, aware of our efforts, and is trying to help us. To to give an example, some years ago I read a very touching story, a true story in Clarity magazine that was written by a devotee of Yogananda about a period in his life. Since he was 15 years old, for a period of 10 years, he suffered from addiction to food. And he tried to overcome it by therapy, prayer, affirmations. But he was not successful. So in 1992, when he was 25 years old, he was living in Colorado. He lost his job. And he decided to move to Los Angeles. He was already a disciple of Yogananda. And he thought, if he moves to Los Angeles, if he lived near, closer to Yogananda's shrines, that Master will help him to overcome his addiction so he can live a normal life. So he drove from Colorado to Los Angeles. And after he arrived, right from the beginning, things did not go well for him. He couldn't find a job. And to save money, he lived in a cheap hotel. Apparently at that time, the, bad hotel, the cheap hotels were in bad neighborhoods. So his energy began to sink. And his addiction came back. And he started eating massive amounts of foods. Most of the time he stayed in his room, but once in a while he went to meditate at Yogananda's shrines. And when he did so, he meditated as deeply as he could and he prayed with all his willpower to be healed. But every time he did it, he didn't feel any response. No joy, no response from God not feeling the presence of God. And after three weeks, he already gained 25 pounds, and he had very little money left, and he knew he had to go back to Colorado. So before he left, he went to Yogananda's script in Forest Lawn Cemetery. There he sat, meditating deeply, praying to Master to heal him, But again, he didn't feel anything. So he left Los Angeles, driving back to Colorado, feeling that this trip was a complete failure. But after two days, after he left L.A., Los Angeles, he noticed that he didn't have the urge to overeat. He thought it was just temporary, but it continued His body craved only fruits and vegetables. Gradually his body recovered and he was healed 
completely from his addiction. This story reminds us that when we go through tests, we are not alone. God is aware of our struggles, trying to help us. And we don't overcome only through our willpower and our efforts, but through the grace and the power of God and the Masters. So I want to end with comforting words by Sri Yukteswar from Autobiography of a Yogi. God feels for us. He responds to all and works for all. He fulfills any sincere desire of the devotee. Seldom do men realize how often God heeds their prayers. God is not partial to a few, but listens to everyone who approaches him trustingly. His children should ever be, should ever have implicit faith in the loving kindness of the omnipresent Father. Om. Amen.